0: I wanted to have a clothing brand and I didn't know what kind of clothing to make. And then I had my health issues and I nothing in my closet fit. I would spend hours trying to get ready because everything was too tight or everything made me look pregnant. And I didn't want to go to work and have people ask me, are you pregnant? Because obviously I wasn't. And it really knocks down your confidence. Like it's, you feel just so... You don't feel yourself. You don't feel good about yourself. There's just a lot of things that are happening because it was such a night and day type of situation where one day I woke up and I just had this giant belly and I couldn't get rid of it.
1: It starts with just taking that leap have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart.
2: Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you got
1: beaten. Be kind, be kind, be kind.
2: Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders.
0: My name is Hannah Bartworth Padilla, and I am the founder and CEO of Sotella. We are an inclusive made-to-order clothing brand that focuses with changing bodies and mind.
2: I want to start with uh, working at your dad's store on the weekends, because that seems like an early inspiration for uh, what you would later do in fashion. So can you tell me a little bit about what that was like, like who your dad was, um, and what that experience was?
0: Yeah, so my dad was a leather goods guy. He did a lot of things. He would actually make a lot of things of leather goods. So he would make leather jackets. Um, He did cowboy boots, he would do leather accessories and he would sell them in Hollywood. He actually had a couple of stores, but the first one when I was the youngest, it was in Hollywood. And he and my mom actually ran the store together and it was a cowboy boots leather jacket store. And I would go there weekdays, weekends, and I would actually try to work and sell things to customers that came in. I did that for years. I think it fostered a creativity that I didn't know I had until several years ago. I used to actually get leather scraps that my dad would use and make dolls out of it. And... It's something that it's funny because now looking back, I could see that that was clearly really creative to do at that age, but I didn't recognize it until I was 26, 27 years old. And also just seeing my parents do something that wasn't the norm, that definitely gave me a confidence that I could do it too. Like I could be an entrepreneur as well. You know, I saw them go through the ups and the downs, and they still made it through the other side, regardless if. They closed the store down or whatever happened. So that definitely gave me this, I guess, empowerment that I could do it as well.
2: You don't necessarily, though, see that fashion is going to be your thing for for a little bit. Um, So could you could you tell me about like where you kind of meandered until like 2015?
0: It's funny because I used to always draw different dresses on my notebooks, <laughs> but I still didn't. It's all think coming. That back. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> and Everything I just was didn't pointing think... to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't think it was a possibility. I think I had this idea that I um, I needed to be like a professional or have a different career. I went to college and I got my bachelor's in global studies, which essentially is It was an interdisciplinary major that I was able to create myself, Um, but a lot of the classes that I took were about sustainability, and it was about um, kind of the nonprofit world, which I thought I would go into.
2: Why did you want to go into that?
0: I wanted to help people. One of those things that you think that you should do for the sake of other people. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah.
2: Well, you you, when you have like some kind of moral structure in your life. You want to, you want to enact that moral structure. And often it's like, like, that's like the most obvious choice, like humanitarian work. It's like, okay, like I want to be a good person. I want to solve the problems of the world. Humanitarian work. I think it's a great answer, but it's also, I think like what is hailed as the thing you do if you want to be like the best person.
0: Right, right. I even did a, I even did a stint as an intern um, at a nonprofit in DC and it was politics oriented. So not what I do now. So I I think that actually helps me see that it's not for me.
2: Can you lead me up to like 2015 when things started changing for you health wise?
0: Oh, yeah. So I went to grad school to be an urban planner. Again, nothing related to what I do now. And I was working as an urban planner. And I was miserable at that job. And that kind of gave me the seed of I can do something else, I should do something else with my life. And so I started looking into sustainability and fashion. And at that time, there was not a lot of options. The brands that existed weren't really my style. And so it kind of made me wonder how other people would wear these garments that existed that weren't really aligning with their values. And so... I had the idea, why don't I create my own clothing line? But I didn't know what kind of clothing to make. I thought maybe I'll go into maternity, but I'd never been pregnant. And so then one day I I kind of realized I need to create something that is solving a problem. I, I stuck with that for a bit, didn't know what to do. And my health kind of took a turn. I was on birth control pills for 10 years and... My doctor had put me on it because of like heavy periods and I had just a really bad reaction. I had insane bloating, I looked like I was pregnant most of the time, this was like for a year. I had like, cysts in my ovaries, um, just a, a myriad of things that doctors didn't want to believe that it was caused by a hormonal imbalance from getting off birth control. And so that actually was was getting off birth
2: control that yes, getting off birth
0: control.
2: I've actually I've 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 heard about like, you know, some of my friends about the horror stories of like switching or getting off like it can be incredibly damaging, especially if your body is like used to it. And I don't think a lot of people think about that side of it. It's more like it's mostly like, oh, what does this thing do once it's in my body? But also, what does it do when it's, it's taken out?
0: Right, right, right. No, it completely changes your hormones. And it takes a while to get back on track. And a lot of Western medicine doesn't, or a lot of what Western medicine, they don't really think of different alternatives to fix to fixing that problem. They kind of just want you to put you back on birth control. So that led me to believe that, you know, why don't we create clothing that can actually be for people that change, that have changing bodies, And so I launched, or I designed my first collection and they were dresses that spanned multiple sizes.
2: Can you take me a little bit through the point of like, okay, this is a problem I'm having to how you started, you know, thinking about this solution to actually, you know, designing these things and what that,
0: that process felt like. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to launch, I wanted to have a clothing brand. And I didn't know what kind of clothing to make. And then I had my health issues, and I nothing in my closet fit. I would spend hours trying to get ready because everything was too tight, or everything made me look pregnant. And I didn't want to go to work and have people ask me, "Are you pregnant?" Because obviously I wasn't. It really knocks down your confidence. Like it's you don't feel yourself. You don't feel good about yourself. There's just a lot of things that are happening because it was such a night and day type of situation where one day I woke up and I just had this giant belly and I couldn't get rid of it and it was uncomfortable and so I would always try to hide it, like going into work and it it felt uncomfortable and on weekends I would actually go to thrift stores and just buy really loose dresses that can hide my belly and just feel really good in and so those dresses were actually the catalyst for Sotella. I realized I really wanted to create dresses as well that made you feel good and they were made of materials that were that felt like butter on your skin that that flowed in a way that made you feel like you didn't have to hide but it also did kind of did hide like if you had bloating or any sort of weight fluctuations that you had. like I didn't want people to think like okay this is gonna be you know my like costume that I wear for the day like I wanted them to feel like this is gonna be me. And I'm going to look good in this dress and it's going to make me feel comfortable because if I've had any weight fluctuations, you won't be able to see them.
2: I love how this idea is following like how best to make you feel good. Like I think like that's a North Star that you like a lot of entrepreneurs should look at. So you are thinking about all of these concepts. You're testing out these these thrift store items. How did you start actually manufacturing and designing? Your own clothes. We'll be right back after this break.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Matt Fernandez, your friendly neighborhood audio producer. Valentine's Day is fast approaching. Now, you could celebrate by taking your significant other out for dinner and drinks at a restaurant or bar, but that can get expensive. And let's face it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why not surprise your lucky lover by making them a classic and classy cocktail from the comfort of your own home? To help with that, let me kick it off to audio editor and fine dining connoisseur, Nicholas Guzman. The Manhattan is a strong, sweet, aromatic drink that's easy to make and the perfect cocktail for Valentine's Day. Start with a tall mixing glass and add crushed ice. Pour two ounces of rye Canadian whiskey, followed by one ounce of sweet vermouth and two dashes of Angostura bitters. Stir it all together, then pour into a martini glass or a coupe. Garnish with a Luxardo Maraschino cherry and enjoy! Simple, delicious, and a heartfelt way to share a special moment with that special someone. And if the night should take a more intimate turn, why not set the mood by sharing an episode of Finding Founders? The inspirational stories and words of wisdom are sure to leave them begging for more. Now, back to the podcast.
0: Yeah, so I joined a small incubator program that was geared towards slow fashion brands. It's called Factory 45. And I think I was their second, like, class or second cohort. What's and that mean,
2: slow fashion brands, for people who don't know?
0: Yes. Yeah, so slow fashion brands are technically, um, these really small brands that manufacture in the US. Sometimes they do manufacture overseas, but slow fashion means that they're not produced at the rate that you would see at the, like at malls. So it's not fast fashion, it's the complete opposite. So they're made to usually have two to four seasons only, as opposed to like fast fashion brands like H&M that have 52 seasons in a year.
2: And and just like I guess to extrapolate, like the reasoning for this is sustainability, right? So fast fashion is 100%. the enemy of sustainability. Slow fashion is uh, all about sustainability and making sure the clothes aren't in, hurting the environment um, and promoting like or a, people a, or people exactly.
0: Yeah. So at the incubator program, taught us how to launch via Kickstarter campaign, and so I spent the next I don't know five six months creating Sotella our branding. I was really adamant on blogging at the time, and I also would write articles for different um, different publications, and I launched a Kickstarter campaign at the end of this program, and my goal was to raise $20,000 to launch our first collection, and that was based on a factory that I met in Southern California, and they were going to produce these three designs that I created for our first run. So after 28 days of my Kickstarter campaign, we were funded and I got to work.
2: The strategy for you is to launch through Kickstarter. As you're crafting this Kickstarter campaign, what are the things that you're thinking about that you think will promote success?
0: Part of the program, they taught us to lay a framework that you have an online presence. You trying to build an audience before launching this Kickstarter campaign. You want people to know who you are and kind of get this buzz around what you're creating before actually launching. So that when you do launch, you have an audience to launch to. Um, And so I had spent a lot of time blogging and I would talk about uh, sustainability. I talked about fashion. And in tandem with that, I reached out to multiple online publications and I didn't write specifically about Sotella. I actually wrote different topics that I was passionate about for their publications. And so my byline at the bottom would be, you know, I am launching a Kickstarter campaign, my company Sotella, um, and I'm creating clothing for changing bodies. And so... I think that was really crucial in me creating this audience because I was not just talking about Sotella, but I was talking about things that were interesting to people. So again, sustainability, fashion, how to how to choose clothing that makes you feel good and how to find sustainable clothing.
2: How important do you think your timing was in releasing this brand, because obviously, like, I think body positivity is something that has crept more and more into the vernacular of, of like, the average American.
0: Yeah, so I think it was the perfect timing. It was right at the be- it was, yeah, it was luck, but it was right at the beginning of also inclusivity. So our diversity. So my Kickstarter campaign, I had diverse models, and that was important to me because I had never seen growing up women of color wearing clothing in magazines and on TV. And also I never saw different bodies. And so it was important to me create a brand that showcased different body types, different people.
2: So you are are creating this Kickstarter. When do you realize you're going to start like meeting or surpassing your initial goal of
0: $20,000? So Kickstarter is also interesting because you have a set date to reach your goal. And if you don't reach that goal, you'd get none of the money. And so my goal was 30 days, and I think I had a really uh, the first week was really great. I had a really good push, and then the middle of the Kickstarter campaign, so like from days 15 to 23, maybe it was just dead silence, and I I was scared. I was trying to do I was trying to push you know I had worked with some influencers I was really trying to get the word out there and so I think it was like the last week so I don't remember what day exactly but it was the last week when I was like a thousand dollars away and then I finally hit my goal that was when I realized like okay like I have something here that's actually meaningful and it's impactful and it's it's gonna work and so ever since then that's kind of been my mentality of like okay well you know what it's working gotta keep it working As long as we're still going, I have to just keep that momentum.
2: Can you tell me about some of the other things that you've run in that, that were difficult, but maybe were some of the biggest learning experiences as an entrepreneur or launching this fashion brand that you felt that uh, you've taken with you and maybe have contributed to your success today?
0: One, don't be scared to pivot or adapt. You have to be flexible. When I first launched, I launched with a factory. And so they were manufacturing our clothing and several months into it there was just a lot of mistakes or things that I wanted to change to the designs as we were going and they didn't let me because they were on their own timeline and so I pivoted to working directly with a sewer out of her house oh wow yeah so her so it was actually she worked in the factory that I was first working at you and I reached her. out to her <laughs> well I was asking her if she knew anyone
2: <laughs>
0: and Mark she was like I, <laughs> And she was like, oh, you know, I actually sew from home um, on the weekends if you want to, like, we can work together. And so she still, I know, she still worked at the factory. But on weekends, I would go to her house and her and I would design clothes. So she actually did everything. She would make the patterns, do the grading, which are the different sizes. And she did production. And so that was my first pivot was, you know, I changed how I was going to manufacture these clothes, like our clothing. Second lesson is you have to be adaptable. There are there are constant changes um, with supply chain, with production. If a fabric is going to be late, okay, how are you going to still try to sell it? Are you going to do pre-orders so that you can still get funding to pay for this fabric? Are you going to buy fabric that's in particular colors or are you going to dye yourself? Like, There's just constant variables that are happening because you're not just working with your own timeline, but you're working with everyone else's timeline in trying to produce a good. I I should say communication and transparency are key. So I believe that one of the reasons why Sotella has been successful is because I've been very transparent from the very beginning. I'm constantly out in the open with my customers. I still do like our direct messaging. So if anyone DMs Sotella, they're getting me.
2: And that's actually a really important thing to do early on because you're listening to your customer, you're making sure that you can pivot quickly if something's wrong, and you're also making sure you're giving them the things that they want.
0: Exactly. Another pivot that I had was made to order. So I started creating clothing based on it when someone orders it, and that gave me the flexibility to design clothes that were made for their bodies. So we change waistband measurements, we change NC measurements, we do whatever our customer wants because we can. We cut and sew once they order. So that was also key was creating this communication with my customers directly, being able to make something that they're gonna actually wear. And that's the most sustainable thing of all is creating something that's gonna fit their body and not something that they're not gonna end up liking in a month or two months.
2: So where do you think you are today and what are you most excited for going forward?
0: I'm most excited, I think, for the next level of Sotella. I see our brand growing into a physical space. And I know that's hard right now with COVID. <laughs> with COVID, it's a little tricky, but that's been something that I've always wanted is kind of like a Chipotle style a type of brand where we're going to make your clothes for you. (laughs) We're going to make your clothes right there in front of you. And so I want to have like maybe a retail storefront and then in the back, we're going to be making all the clothes, but it's going to be completely open. So you're going to see everything we're doing. You're going to see the production happening for the clothes that you're buying in the front.
2: So if you were to give one piece of advice to uh, the past you that was launching that Kickstarter, what advice would you give?
0: Don't worry, it will all work out. Just keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. As long as you find enough money to keep the lights on, then keep going.
2: Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner.
0: Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lin.
2: Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. With support from...
0: Irene Van Burkle.
1: Matt Fernandez. Renee Cannon,
2: Sophia Donner. Maura Lynch. Zoe Maddox. Ashley Jimenez.
1: Michael Chung. Nicholas Guzman. Aaron Devereaux. Sanessa Gisley. And Luis Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong. With support from...
0: Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Sharice Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibada Thray.
1: and Mecca Shelton.
0: Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Abigail
1: Asheria, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohail Amatya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass.
0: and Diana Marie Candelza.
2: To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.